What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Back Pocket Topics. I'm Cooper. And I'm Scott. And today, we're going to be running you guys through um, some of our NFL players that we think are either underperforming or exceeding expectations. Yeah, so we're going to just go through position by position for the most part and just throw out a couple of names or just and go in depth on, like, one guy per position for each of us. And I'm going to start off with a quarterback that's been exceeding expectations in Geno Smith. Geno Smith has looked very interestingly good. He's, I believe he's like leading the NFL in completion percentage. He's like way up there in QBR. He's, he's honestly looking pretty good. And I guess people forget that Geno Smith, going back to like when he was first drafted on the Jets, he looked solid like right away. People got, gave, were giving him a little bit of hype. And like, but then he kind of just like burnt out. I don't remember if it was from injury or just he started playing bad, but like, then he really only got like two years of chance, two two years of chance or like three years maybe. And then he was kind of just like lost in the NFL, but he was a second round pick that was really only given two or three years. I think that right now we're seeing a result of a second round pick who's finally in a situation where he where he can be the guy and he can do what he wants because the rest of the, team, the Seahawks are not going to be a good team this year. So they're just letting Geno Smith just run it. He he beat Drew Locke out. Drew Locke was also a second-round pick, and Geno Smith it beat him out and is now playing very efficient football and is making not only the not, – he's not only exceeding expectations, but he's making the Seahawks exceed expectations. Going into the year, I thought the Seahawks had a chance for the worst team in the NFL. And, yeah, they're not a good team, but, like, they're not the Texans or the Bears, really. So <laughs> I don't know, but – yeah, Cooper, I'll let you uh, give your guy now. Yeah, so um, this this might come as a bit of a shock to some people, um, especially considering this player's performance in last week's game. But for my underperforming quarterback so far this season, I'm going to have to go with Tom Brady from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone knows Tom Brady. Um, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, like everyone knows he's the GOAT. However... He is 45 years old, and through the first three games of this season, it definitely looked like Tom Brady was just falling off a cliff super, super rapidly. And yeah, against the Chiefs last week, he threw for 385 yards and three touchdowns, <laughs> which is a great stat line, don't get me wrong. However, I just don't feel like in the games that I've watched and the film that I've watched on Tom Brady this year... He has the same like zip on the ball when he's throwing it downfield, or he might not be as accurate in the medium routes. He's still got it on screen passes and short yard short yard plays, but I just don't think Tom Brady's the same player that we know him to be. And he's forty five years old. It, it's bound to happen at some point. I personally just thought that the Buccaneers would be this like juggernaut offense this season, and so far they haven't looked like it at all. And I think they, yeah, obviously they've had some injuries and Mike Evans got suspended for jumping Marshawn Lattimore. But I think I'm going to have to put a decent amount of the blame on Tom Brady. And he's just been kind of underwhelming. Yeah, whether that's because of, like, what's going on off the field with him right now with him and Giselle and just, like, that part of his life right now is probably distracting him. He's looked just kind of out of it in interviews. He's missed a lot of time due to some injuries and, just he missed a lot of training camp, but like it's definitely a little concerning that it's that on the field his on the field play has taken a hit and he's not the level of quarterback that we know him to be. Yeah, yeah. and 
in saying that, I the Buccaneers are still finding ways to win games, and Brady still has a lot of time turned around, and I wouldn't be shocked if he did that, obviously. Yeah, their defense has been really good this year so far, despite despite some offensive struggles. But, yeah, I think we'll move on to the running back position now. Cooper, I'll let you go first because I believe yeah. you're choosing a exceeding expectations player. I, I am, yeah. Um, so for my running back at exceeding expectations so far this season, I've got Saquon Barkley from the New York Giants. We all know how talented of a player Saquon is. Everybody knows that. Going back to his rookie year with the Giants, going back to his college career at Penn State, He's explosive, he can run the ball, he can break tackles, he's elusive, he can he can catch the ball, he can make plays downfield. He's a very, very good player. However, the issue with Saquon was always injuries and playing on the Giants. Yeah. Which um is something that so far throughout his career I feel like has harbored him a little bit. And yeah, people might argue that it's fine because he still gets the ball a lot, so why should it matter how good his team is? But a lot of that also has to do with coaching, which is something the Giants haven't had uh, success in in recent years. However, um, so far this year, Saquon has been the number one focal point of this offense. Everything runs through him. Uh, the Giants' new head coach, Brian Dabble, has been great so far. Um, really is finding creative and just... I, I mean, basic ways, too. Just any way that he can to get Saquon the ball, he's doing it. And Saquon's been balling out. Um, so, yeah. But I have a question for you right now, Cooper. Sure. Is Saquon Barkley the best running back in the NFL? <sighs> best running back in the NFL. He, 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 he could be. He, he might be. Here's my take on that. I think that... I think Nick Chubb is the best running back in the NFL right now, but Saquon is chasing his tail really closely. The thing, like, Nick thing Chubb, I, Nick Chubb's just shown it. So like, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like Saquon is a more well balanced player, whereas Chubb, even on his own team, they have to take him take him out on like third down plays and like when they're throwing wide receiver or. Sorry, running back screens, they're going to Kareem Hunt. They're not going to Chubb. Whereas Saquon is like an every down type of back. He can be in there on every type of play for the Giants. Yeah, I think that's really, that's a valid point. But at the same time, I feel like that's more just them wanting to utilize Kareem Hunt too and make sure that both of their running backs are fresh when they have the ball. Like, I think there's a there's a reason why um, Nick Chubb has been like the most efficient back like the last like three years, not only like, and you can't just say it's because the Browns offensive line has been really good. Like, yeah, it has been really good and he's been super efficient because of it, but also he's broken the, he's had the highest missed tackles forced rate, which is like broken tackles, juking people out. Like he's had the highest rate, like of any like volume guy. Like I think AJ Dillon had more last year, but like AJ Dillon was had on a much lower volume than Nick Chubb was at. And like, Nick Chubb is just such a good pure runner. And I think Saquon is in a worse situation. He's getting like guys in the backfield every time. Andrew Thomas is the only player on that team that can block. And like I think he's a lot craftier. He's a lot more explosive. He's a better receiver. And right now he's producing equally as well, if not better, because also in the receiving game. But I just think that right I want to see Saquon do it a little a couple more weeks before I give him the crown as the number one 
running back and to replace King Henry. But, um, yeah. Yeah, sure. That's all totally valid. And I agree with the things you were saying. But, I mean, yeah, bottom line, Saquon, people know how good of a player he is, but at least me personally, I didn't expect him to be putting up this type of these type of numbers so far. And the Giants are three and one. Yeah, like they play cupcake teams, but they're three and one. And <laughs> three Brian and one Dave, is three and one. Yeah, three and one is three and one. Whether they're a bottom eight team in the league or not, doesn't really matter right now. They're three and one. Um, yeah. So like now, now I'll move on to my running back who I have is underperforming and i'll just start a name real quick it's not who i'm talking about but derrick henry i alluded to him earlier it's definitely fallen off a little bit just the titans in general have been kind of pitiful but yeah moving on to the guy who i'm going to be talking about it's Najee harris so close to I'm, I'm a steelers fan and Najee harris in the 2021 draft i was a huge tevin jenkins fan and I wanted Tevin Jenkins at the 24th pick so, so badly. But I had, like, just make, made peace with the fact that the Steelers were going to make a stupid decision and draft a running back in the first round. So I tried to, I tried to like, justify the pick and was like, Najee Harris, he's a very good running back prospect. He'll be fine. But we're seeing that he, in the first, in his first two years, he has not been an efficient runner, running in the three, like, sub four yards per carry each year. And whether that's, that, like, he, yes, Najee Harris is a good running back. But he's not, he's not returning the value of a first-round pick. He, our, running game, our run game has still been pretty pitiful this year. He's looking only slightly better than Jalen Warren, who's an undrafted running back who we, like, who we just picked, off, picked up off the street. And then, like, I just think that Najee Harris, in order to, return the value of that first round pick is going to have to pick up his play a lot, especially when we could have had guys like Tevin Jenkins, who I wanted, who has been playing very well. And we may see his name, hear his name called later in this episode. Yeah. But uh, at the moment, Najee Harris, I just want to, like, he hasn't even been a huge impact in the receiving game either. Like he's still, he has like 10 catches for like 40 yards or something. So like, he's not even making huge plays when he has the ball. He's just, He's not being being the big playmaker that he can be. Like he hasn't had a twenty yard rush all season. He hasn't had a twenty yard rece reception all season. He's just he's not really scoring touchdowns. He he's fumbled. Like I just want him to. I just want him to take a step up and be able to produce behind this offensive line in a way that Saquon's doing behind an even worse offensive line in New York. Like if Saquon Barkley is a running back that's worthy of a first round pick. Najee Harris so far is not that. So it's just annoying to me that we made a mistake there and it's not panning out and not giving us a top 12 running back in return. Yeah, and you did allude to the fact that Najee hasn't been uh, as active in the Steelers passing game as he was last year. I mean, obviously, a lot of that would have to do with uh, Big Ben's noodle arm. Um, but uh, that definitely does make an impact when at least when I'm thinking about it from a fantasy football perspective, a lot of the appeal around Najee and all the hype was once the ball is in his hands, he can make plays and you're just not seeing that at um, the volume that he was getting it at last year. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, moving on, 
Um, let's go with wide receiver. So I can start. Uh, I'm going to talk about Jamar Chase, who I think so far has been kind of underperforming this season. And that might come as a little bit of surprise for a lot of people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Jamar Chase is having a bad season. I just think that for the hype that he was getting coming into this year, I feel like he hasn't been quite living up to it. And a lot of that does have to do with the overall um, struggles of the Bengals' offense in general. And Joe Burrow has no time in the pocket. Their head coach is incompetent, as Scott Nance would like to say. Um, Yes, sir. And... Jamar Chase is getting, like, double, triple teams, whatever. Uh, Not triple team, but he's getting the kitchen sink thrown at him by opposing defenses a lot of times. But I've kind of noticed that throughout this season, Joe Burrow is looking to other guys over Jamar Chase. I think T. Higgins has been having a pretty notable year for the Bengals. He's been playing pretty well. Um, And Jamar's sitting there at around 70 receiving yards per game, which, right, obviously, solid number. Um, He's got two touchdowns on the year. But for a guy that was getting the top five receiver hype before the season, I'm just not seeing as much him being as much of like an X factor that a lot of people were expecting him to be this season. Yeah, like putting him in that top five wide receiver conversation, like he has been getting a ton of attention and he's still been producing all right. But he's just not, like you said before, he's not that X factor that he was last year and that he can be because he has, he's been getting so much attention and just getting double team, triple team, always having a safety, safety help over top because of how explosive he is. But like, if you're looking at other top five, top three receivers, Tyree Kill, for example, gets the most attention of any receiver in the NFL and he's still leading the NFL in receiving yards. He's even at a new, even in a new location with a backup quarterback now throwing the ball now that two was hurt. So, like, I just don't think that, like, you can't put him in that conversation of, a, of a, like, a top three receiver that he was getting, that some people were hyping him up to be, like, a top five, top three receiver um, after last year just because, because, like, he's not game-breaking the same way that Tyreek Hill is. He's not, like, the most reliable receiver in the world like Devontae Adams is or, like, he's not Cooper Cup who can win out of the slot, like, with literally – He's like he's the most yeah. productive receiver out of the slot of all time, and yeah, I don't know. Jamar Chase, I think he'll be fine. He'll figure it out. He's a very talented player still. He's still a top seven, eight receiver in the league, like no doubt. But I just think that he definitely needs to pick up the pick up the pace a little bit if he wants to match the hype that he was given earlier on in the season. But now moving on to a player that is exceeding expectations that kind of came out of nowhere is Matt Collins for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think Matt Collins, he he has a very good athletic profile. He's six foot four, over 220 pounds, and he runs a 4-5-40, which is a very good athletic profile. He plays big, strong, with really good hands, and he's really emerged as, like, a really good receiving option for Derek Carr. Um, and, like, the fact that he's been able to be this productive and, like, draw that much attention – while Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro are all, and Josh Jacobs are all on the same offense as him, it's kind of impressive because, like, he was literally traded without even giving a chance. Uh, he was on the Dolphins, and he was traded from them without even giving a chance. And then now he's on the Raiders, and he's able to 
get tar- uh, eat up targets for himself on a team with that much offensive firepower. And it's just impressive. He's shown solid route running, and his hands have just been really impressive, being able to come down with any contested catch. And it's just it's really impressive. And I'm just wanting to throw his name out there as a quick little shout out. But we can move on to tight ends now. Yeah, like yeah, you sure. Cooper. Um, I do want to butt in with wide receiver a little bit. I feel like we wouldn't be doing the conversation justice if I didn't just throw Amon Ross St. Brown's name out there. He didn't play last week, um, but I feel like him and the Lions' offense in general have really been exceeding expectations overall. But moving on to the tight end position. Uh, I'm going to start off to go with an underperforming tight end. I'm sure this one is not going to be a surprise to many people, especially those of whom wasted a third, fourth, maybe fifth round fantasy pick on Atlanta Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts. Scott, you of all people love Kyle Pitts. His athletic profile, his how he looked coming into the draft – how he looked his rookie year. Do you want to get into that a little bit before I? Sure. Before you rip into him a bit, I think I'll give him a little bit of props and just tell him and just say what he is as a player and why he was getting all that hype. People are hating on him a little bit too much over the season, but he does need to produce more. He is the best prospect I've ever watched coming out of college. He is a six foot six, 250 pound tight end that runs a 4-4 with the elusiveness of receiver and the best hands possible. He, he didn't have a single drop in college. I don't think he had any drops year, week, uh, year one in the NFL, or if he did, it was like one or two. He can come down with some incredible catches, one-handed catches, like just catches through contact, anything. The dude is so coordinated, so skilled of a player while also having that much athleticism and like being able to separate at the rate that he does. He's basically a wide receiver. And you might ask, oh, why aren't they using him like a wide receiver? Because, like, if they use him as a wide receiver, then they're going to know that he's, that they're passing the ball every single time because, or even if they're, I don't know. I just think that Arthur Smith is having, being forced to use him more as a blocker because of the way that the offense is being run because Marcus Mariota tends to get sacked a lot because he has horrible pocket presence and horrible his awareness on the field. So they're needing to use him as a blocker and hide him in play action. And because tight ends do not get that much work in play action schemes because they are supposed to be faking a run. And what do tight ends do in the run game? They block. So yeah, Cooper, I'll let you take it from here to talk more about him. Yeah, so you mentioned how a little bit of his stat line uh, issues, I guess, might be like due to the coaching staff or the plays that they have to run. And yeah, that is true, but I still feel like, like you mentioned, he's, he's definitely underperforming and I'm going to, I'm going to just go through his stats week by week, week one, uh, they played the saints. He had two catches for 19 yards. Week two, the Falcons played the Rams two catches for 19 yards. Week three, this is a big one. They played, the Falcons played the Seahawks, five catches for 87 yards. You might be thinking, oh, Kyle Pitts is on the come up. He's coming, guys. He's He awoke. Week four, one catch, 25 yards. And I just don't get it. Like, everyone talks about how physically talented, how physically gifted he is, 
how polished of a, a route runner and just a pass catcher he is. And he's just not coming up with the production that lives up to his name. He's got, in two weeks, he's been under five targets. He's not getting involved in the offense. I don't know. I just feel like Kyle Pitts in general has been a big disappointment. I think that's a little bit more to do with the coaching than it is him in general, simply because I just, we saw it last year. We saw, and like this Falcons team is just completely different than it was last year. So I think that Arthur Smith just had to put in a whole new game plan. Like they have a new quarterback. They don't have Calvin Ridley. They, which are two of, like Calvin Ridley was their best offensive player. And their quarterback, and a quarterback change going from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota, those are almost two completely different quarterbacks. So the offense has to be completely different. And last year we saw Kyle Pitts can produce at, a, at an NFL level. He got over a thousand receiving yards and got like the most receiving yards by a rookie tight end ever. Maybe apart from Mike Ditka, I don't remember. But like, <laughs> I don't know. But he he produced a lot as a, a as a rookie, and we can only we can only expect him to exceed to like exceed those expectations as a rookie as a sophomore and just produce but i think this it's more of a coaching error than a kyle pitts error because i don't know i i just they need to give him the ball more because he's their best player yeah and i just think i i just have so much faith in kyle pitts like a player of that skill set and that frame like you you would expect him to produce but i think this is more of just on coaching than it is on him and I still don't even think that Arthur Smith's doing a bad job. I just think that they were given a bad – like, Calpis just in a, is in a bad situation because of how bad the rest of the Falcons, like, just offense is. Like, Drake London is having to be their go-to guy because, like, in that short, like, quick game because their offensive line isn't great apart from Chris Lindstrom. So, yeah, I, I don't – I just don't think that Calpis is just in the best situation to thrive, so it's just a little hard. But, True. Um, yeah. And as for exceeding expectations at the tight end position, I didn't really have anyone that particularly stood out to me. I mean, yeah. Zach Ertz has been a guy in Arizona. Uh, he's been either their first or second receiving option with DeAndre Hopkins um, being suspended. And he's pretty old, so it's good to see uh, Zertz balling out. Other than that, I got, I got nothing. Move. We got to shout out Pat Firemuth, but apart from that, Pat Firemuth's playing well, but I think we all expected him to take another step up. So I don't know if he's exceeding expectations, but just wanted to give him a quick shout out that he's playing very well. And I just traded for him in two different fantasy leagues. So I hope you continue to play well. So yeah, anyways, let's move on to the offensive linemen, starting with exceeding expectations. And I'll go first. I've got a couple guys I want to talk about, just fill their names out there. I'm not going to spend too much time on them. But Terrence Steele for the Cowboys has been a very good tackle this year. He's just looking athletic. His technique is looking polished. And overall, he's only given up like two or three pressures this this season. And for someone that a lot of people don't know, like most people think of, they hear Terrence Steele's name, they're just like, who? Like, he's just a no-name guy, but he's performing very well. And each year he's got come into the league, he's just improved a little bit more and a little bit more. And now he's been a top 16, top 14 offensive tackle in the NFL. And 
or maybe not offensive tackle, but at least right tackle. And he's playing well, and there's not much else to say about it. And Cooper, I'll let you talk about your boy real quick, and then I'll get on to some not exactly some underwhelming players. But I'll let yeah. you talk about your boy. Yeah, for sure. Um, Scott's definitely someone that has a more deeper knowledge on positions like offensive linemen, maybe defensive linemen. But uh, one player that's definitely stood out to me this season, being a Bears fan, it's been right in front of me. Uh, that's Tevin Jenkins. Scott mentioned him before. Um, he's been playing guard for the Bears this season. Uh, he was originally drafted as a tackle. And he's just been balling out. Um, he's been doing he's been doing a good job uh, blocking in the run game and especially blocking in the passing game for Justin Fields. Yeah, the Bears do pass not a lot, but they do it every now and then. Um, Tevin Jenkins, uh, he has a lot of pressure in two straight games, which pretty good. Um, and I cool. saw a stat that said he hasn't allowed a sack or a quarterback hit all season, which is Really impressive. And he's a guy that I feel like Bears coaching staff might not have treated the best coming into the season. There was a bit of buzz on social media about potential trade talks, which really made no sense. But I don't know. He's been uh, he's been exceeding expectations for Bears fans and maybe just NFL fans. Yeah, so real quick, I just want to touch on an offensive lineman that's not exactly meeting expectations, and that's Lyle Collins for the Cincinnati Bengals. When, they, when the Cincinnati Bengals brought in Lyle Collins, it was like a big move because he was one of the better offensive tackles in free agency. He's been a top 10 offensive tackle the past like three or four years or something. Ever, pretty much ever since he went down to the league, he's been a good player and just for the Cowboys. But then this year um, on the Bengals, he's just looked completely lost out there. As a pass blocker, he's given up nine pressures, had two, has had two penalties already, given up like six hurries and in only four games. And like when you're supposed to be the, when you're being paid like he is as like their main free agency acquisition to like bolster up this offensive line that was obviously the weakest point of this Bengals team and you're just playing like shit, then like he's like, it's just kind of pitiful on his end and you have to, he's got to pick up the, pick up the play if this Bengals team wants to be successful because Joe Burrow has to have more than two seconds to throw the football or else this team is not going to make it back um, to the super, to the playoffs, much less the Super Bowl. So, right. yeah, we can move on to the defensive line right now. Cooper, do you have anyone or should I go first? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have much to say. I'll just add on to whatever you're saying if something's calling my name. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to start off with Justin Matabuike, the defensive tackle um, for the Baltimore Ravens. And Justin Matabuike was, I thought, a very underrated prospect coming into the draft in 2020. He was, he fell to the third round. I thought he should have been a second round pick. And it's not a, even, it's not even a first round pick. I thought he was a very good player. And he's proving me right, right now, being a very highly graded, um, defensive tackle, uh, in, uh, due to PF, per PFF. And also statistically, he's, um, has 11 pressures and eight hurries plus two batted passes in the first four games while also being a very good run defender with seven stops. And I think that Matabuike is just definitely um, kind of breaking out a little bit because like the past couple of years, he, like last year, last year he had 13 pressures in total. He's got 11 pressures already through four games, which 
it's pretty impressive, especially for a, a defensive lineman, which like interior defensive linemen don't usually get that many pressures. And 11 pressures in two stacks through four games versus 13 pressures in three stacks in 17 games last year. He's definitely improved a lot this offseason. He's got big things to come. And then I'll just quickly add on to the fact that Derek Brown is finally living up to the hype that he had as a top 10 pick in the 2020 draft. He was picked seventh overall by the Panthers and now has, in through four games, has seven pressures, uh, two batted passes, and is very highly graded and just is being a very good run stopper. And I just think Derek Brown is having good, strong start to the season. But yeah, we can move on to edge rushers now. Cooper, I'll let you start us off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with all the stuff you just said about the defensive linemen. I did not expect to hear anyone from the Panthers when we were talking about exceeding expectations, but... The one right nice spot on that team. Yeah, that's nice to hear. Um, at edge rusher, um, I'm going to talk about a guy that we gave a lot of love to in our NFL season preview. I don't... I'm not sure if exceeding expectations would be the perfect term, but someone that's been... Playing really well is uh, Micah Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he was both of ours, one of our top picks uh, for Defensive Player of the Year um, for this season. And I think that he's the anchor of this Cowboys defense, which is a unit that's really stepped up ever since uh, Dak went out with his injury. Don't get me wrong, Cooper Rush has been balling. But um, I do think that the Cowboys' defense is what's been keeping them in a lot of these games as of late and kind of, like, holding them together until they can get their uh, number one guy at QB back. And, obviously, Micah Parsons has a lot to do with that. Uh, he's been embarrassing offensive linemen pretty much every week, getting to the quarterback, making plays in the run game, all that. Yeah, so as for me, I have I also have guys that are – Exceeding expectations that I just wanted to throw out there. Alex Highsmith, Pittsburgh Steelers, has five sacks in TJ Watt's absence, which has been very, very helpful to uh, for the Steelers' defense that's sorely miss missing TJ Watt. Also, Gregory Rousseau is having a very strong sophomore campaign after having a pretty solid rookie year as well. But the main guy I wanted to talk about for exceeding expectations was Josh Allen, the edge rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars, not the quarterback, who is also incredible, right? but equal, almost as incredible, the edge rusher, Josh Allen. Oh. Oh. <laughs> he, he's top three in the NFL in pressures through four games with 20 total pressures and three sacks. And he's just been a very athletic and strong edge rusher that's been receiving a lot of attention from offensive linemen too. And like, he's just definitely like, he was a top, he was a top 10 pick in 2019 and he's and he's been a good pass rusher, but he's starting to like break into that top twelve edge rusher tier, which is definitely like becoming that elite number one level guy that's going to make it's just gonna make life for Trayvon Walker a lot easier, the um rookie edge rusher for the Jaguars. I think that he was definitely raw coming out of college. So having a bona fide number one edge rusher in Josh Allen is gonna only help his development and uh, it's just good news for the Jaguars all around. And then I just want to touch on someone real quick for um, not very good, which is Chandler Jones for the Las Vegas Raiders. Chandler Jones has had eight pressures through four games. And 
is rating, rating out pretty horribly. He's missed 25% of his tackle attempts. And as someone who has previously been regarded as a top 10 edge rusher, top five edge rusher, even after finishing the second half, after the second half of his season last year was pretty pitiful. He seems to be continuing that this year. And I guess as a 32, 33 year old um, edge rusher, I just think that his best days are behind him and the Raiders did not quite get what they wanted when they signed him or traded for him. I don't remember. Yeah, um, for sure. And one thing that you mentioned when you were talking about Josh Allen, uh, defense Josh Allen, um, is that uh, these edge rushers that are or just pass rushers or defensive players in general that are um, receiving attention from offensive linemen. And I think that that's definitely a big thing to look at. I mean, obviously, the first player that's always going to come into my mind is Aaron Donald um, with the Rams. And I do think that as I've uh, matured as a um, football viewer, I do think that one thing that I've paid attention to more is double teams drawn uh, by pass rushers. And that's just like, you know, I mean, it allows the rest of the players on your team to just get to the quarterback easily. Um, if they have to go up against, like, just one guy. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, we could go to cornerback if you want to start us off, if you got a guy. Uh, yeah, so just a player that I've been – that he's a young player that's been playing pretty well with a very good athletic profile. At six foot three, 200 pounds, Benjamin St. Juice for the Washington Commanders. has been very impressive. But his, like, ability to mirror receivers – has just been he's he's been uh, Washington's starting corner and he's been going against some very good receivers like CeeDee Lamb, like AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, and just like these guys. And he's been not only looked good on tape, but he's been very productive as well on the field. He's only allowed a thirty eight percent reception percentage, which is I think top three or top five lowest in the NFL. And he has um only three pass breakups, but he's been just pretty much locked down. And just his athletic profile translates to someone that's definitely going to be able to um, be a, an impactful member of the Washington Commanders for years to come. And then I also wanted to just quickly mention Jamel Dean because I'm a huge Jamel Dean guy. He's also has a very – he's been playing very well this year. He's very highly graded for PFF. He's got an 83 overall grade and has only – uh, has a 45% reception percentage, and um, he's also already got two interceptions on the year. And I think Jamel Dean is a top 15 corner for sure. And I just think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. And by that definition, he's exceeding expectations for most NFL fans. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to go on the other side as an underperforming cornerback, and I'm going to go with, Big name, Jalen Ramsey. Um, Jalen Ramsey is one of the most highly regarded defensive players in the NFL. If a, a typical fan would be listening to this and just heard me mention Jalen Ramsey solely off of his name, um, that he was an underperforming player, I'd probably be getting flamed right now. However, um, I do think that Jalen Ramsey is someone that's played a part in the Rams' struggle and Super Bowl hangover so far this year. 
when I talked about and thought about the Rams coming into the season, um, one thing I put a lot of emphasis on was how talented their defense was and the star power that they have. Obviously, Ramsey, along with Aaron Donald, um, played a big part in that. And so far, I just feel like Jalen Ramsey hasn't been making plays or getting involved um, on like run plays or coverage or stuff like that as much as he normally does uh, in a typical season. And so far, each and every week, uh, I feel like the Rams have played a wide receiver one that somehow goes off. Week one, it was Stefan Diggs, eight catches, 122 yards and a touchdown. Week two, Drake London, eight catches, 86 yards and a touchdown. Week three, Marquise Brown, 14 catches, 140 yards. And um, last week, Debo Samuel, six catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. And I know it's unfair to put all of that blame on Jalen Ramsey. However, I do think that um, a lot of the time, these are these teams wide receiver one, and I think that the responsibility falls a decent amount on Jalen. And I think that, I don't know, he just hasn't been living up to expectations. He definitely gets burnt more times than the best corner in football should be getting burnt, which is just a little bit, it just makes me sometimes wonder why he's the consensus number one corner in football, because there are so many, like, yeah, if you beat Jalen Ramsey, your video is going to go viral. But, like, I swear, I just feel like he gets burnt way more than the number one corner in football should be. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to quickly say another name for someone who I think we should be on the watch for, not for, like, underperforming, is J.C. Jackson. The Chargers signed him to be their number one corner and fix this defense because this defense was utterly horrible last year. They made a ton of moves last year to, like, bolster up this defense with Khalil Mack getting in getting Derwin James back, getting, like, just, they just bolstered up this defense. But J.C. Jackson has been performing, I know he's been injured, and I know he's only played two games. But in those two games, he's given up 187 receiving yards and has been PFF's, like, lowest-graded corner. The dude has, like, a 39 grade, which is literally, like, utter, like horrible. He's missed tackles at a high rate. He's given up catches at a high rate, and, like, He's just not been playing well, and I know he's been playing hurt, and I know he hasn't been playing that many games, and he'll probably improve. But, like, he's definitely on the watch for someone that should be um, falling a little bit down. And plus, he's been a ball – he's been he's known for being a ball hawk, and he doesn't have any interceptions or pass breakups at all this year. And, like, he's played 90 coverage snaps. So, like, you'd think that he would have at least a little bit of production to show for yeah, speaking of ball hawks, uh, I do also want to toss out Trayvon Diggs' name real quick as someone who's been playing pretty well for someone who, in general, just gets criticized probably a little bit more than he should be. I know last week uh, PFF gave him gave him a 92 grade in coverage, which is um, which was one of the highest among all cornerbacks, and I don't know. I just think he's. Uh, He's beating the Trayvon Diggs sucks allegations right now. And, yeah. Yeah, so let's move on to safeties now. Um, and I'm going to start off start us off with Talanoa Hufanga, the reincarnation of Troy Palomalu. They both have – they both play safety. They're both extremely athletic. And they both have some pretty wild hair. But Talanoa Hufanga – 
is like the second year safety for the San Francisco 49ers, in case you don't know who he, who he is. But last year, he didn't get to play that much. And when he, but when he played, he was definitely solid. And then this, in this year, the 49ers lost both their safeties, I believe. And that was just a big question mark going into the year. But boy, has Talano Hufanga, Hufanga, ah. boy, has Talano Hufanga um, stepped up to the challenge. Cause like, he's a, he didn't play like the best safety in football. And that's not even an exaggeration. The dude is PFF's like top five highest rated safety, which I don't care. Like PFF's grades, they're, they have some value, but they're not like, they're not like the end all. End all be all. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like, um, statistically speaking, He's like, hey, I'm just going to start off. Watch the San Francisco 49ers play football. He's all over the field. The dude is making plays in the backfield, in coverage. Um, like, he literally had a pick six last last week and iced the game against the, against the Rams. And this season, statistically, he's had 12 stops, which is some of the most a safety's had this year, if not the most. I'd have to look, but, like, I don't have time for that. Um He's at 38% reception percentage, which, like I said before, is one of the lowest in the NFL by for any position, corner or safety. And he has um, two interceptions already on the year. Talanohu Fanga is a playmaker, an incredible athlete. He's like he's got size, strength, speed, instincts. Like the dude is going to be one of the best safeties in football. I already put him as a top five safety in the NFL, and if this continues, the dude is going to be going to challenge for the best safety in football with Mick Fitzpatrick and Derwin James. Yeah, definitely high praise um, for a guy that, I don't know, you don't really hear a lot about, but Scott Nance sniffed him out. He knows he's a real scout for talent. Um, I don't really have anyone that's underperforming at the safety position, but one guy that's caught my eye uh, so far, obviously I mentioned I watch a lot of Bears games. I'm going to talk about Eddie Jackson. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, I'm going to talk about Eddie Jackson. Uh, Eddie Jackson is a guy that in the 2018 season where the Bears went on their uh, magical playoff run that ended with the double doink <laughs> after one game in the wild card round. Um, but they did win the division, uh, and they had a great defense while doing it. Eddie Jackson, a monster year that year, he ended up signing a contract worth $58 million. Something that if you've watched Bears games since 2018, Eddie Jackson has not lived up to. Um, However, so far, four games into the season, uh, Eddie's been all over the field on defense. He's been uh, making tackles, um, breaking up passes. He leads the NFC in interceptions right now. And it's just really something that's nice to see as a Bears fan because he's back to the old aggressive player that he was back in 2018. And he's been a real difference maker for the bears, which there haven't been a lot of those. So. Yeah. The bears, he's the one bright spot on this bears team that has just not been performing the best as you know, all too well, but I think that's all we have for today. And we hope you enjoyed this episode and Cooper, I'll let you close us out. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be a Back Pocket Topics episode without me talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're really good, and Scott had a bad take. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Back Pocket Topics, and we'll catch you guys next time. See ya.